chapter 2. And so it came to pass that a heavily guarded caravan soon departed from Damascus, carrying certificates of ownership and gold for those who managed each of Hafid's trade emporiums. From Obed in Joppa to Reul in Petra, each of the ten managers received word of Hafid's retirement and gift in stunned silence. Eventually, after making its last stop at the Emporium in Artipras, the caravan's mission was complete. The most powerful trade empire of its time was no more. His, he- his heart heavy with sadness, Erasmus sent word to his master that the warehouse was now empty and the Emporiums no longer bore the proud banner of Hafid. The messenger returned with a request that Erasmus meet with his master by the fountain in the peristyle immediately. Hafid studied his friend's face and asked, Is it done? It is done. Grieve not, kind friend, and follow me. Only the sound of their sandals echoed in the giant chamber as Hafid led Erasmus toward the marble stairway at the rear. His steps momentarily slowed as he neared a solitary marine vase on a tall stand of citrus wood, and he watched as the sunlight changed the glass from white to purple. His old face smiled. Then the two old friends began to climb the inner steps that led to the room inside the palace dome. Erasmus took notice that the guard, that the armed guard, always present at the foot of the steps, no longer was there. Finally, they reached a landing and paused, since both were without breath from the exertion of the climb. Then they continued on to a second landing, and Hafid removed a small key from his belt. He unlocked the heavy oak door and leaned against it until it creaked inwards. Erasmus hesitated until his master beckoned him inside, and then he stepped timidly into the room to which no one had been allowed admission for over three decades. Gray and dusty, light seeped down from turrets above, and Erasmus gripped Hafid's arm until his eyes became accustomed to the semi-darkness. With a faint smile, Hafid watched as Erasmus turned slowly in a room that was bare, except for a small cedar chest spotlighted in a shaft of sunlight in one corner. Are you not disappointed, Erasmus? I know not what to say, sire. Are you not disappointed in the furnishings? Certainly the contents of this room have been a conversation piece among many. Have you not wondered or concerned yourself with the mystery of what is contained here, which I have guarded so zealously for so long? Erasmus nodded. It is true. There has been much talk and many rumors through the years as to what our master kept hidden here in the tower. Yes, my friend, and most of them I have heard. It has been said that barrels of diamonds were here, or gold ingots, or wild animals, or rare birds. Once a Persian rug merchant hinted that perhaps I maintained a small harem here, like a whorehouse. Alicia laughed at the thought of me with a collection of concubines. But, as you can observe, there is nothing here except a small chest. Now, come forward. The two men crouched beside the chest, and Hafid carefully proceeded to unroll the leather strapping which encircled it. He inhaled deeply of the cedar fragrance from the wood, and finally he pushed against the cover and it quietly sprung open. 
Rasmus leaned forward and stared over Hafid's shoulder at the trunk's contents. He looked at Hafid and shook his head in bewilderment. There was nothing inside the trunk but scrolls, leather scrolls. Hafid reached inside and gently removed one of the rolls. Momentarily, he clasped it to his breast and closed his eyes. A quiet calmness settled over his face, brushing away the lines of age. Then he rose to his feet and pointed toward the chest. Were this room filled to its beams with diamonds, its value could not surpass what your eyes behold in this simple wooden box. All the success, happiness, love, peace of mind, and wealth that I have enjoyed is directly traceable to what is contained in these few scrolls. My debt to them is to the wise one who entrusted them to my care, can never be repaid. Frightened by the tone in Hafid's voice, Erasmus stepped back and asked, Is this the secret to which you have referred? Is this chest connected in some way with the promise you have yet to keep? The answer is yes to both of your questions. Erasmus passed his hand across his perspiring forehead and looked at Hafid with disbelief. What is written on these scrolls that places their value beyond that of diamonds? All but one of these scrolls contains a principle, a law, or a fundamental truth written in a unique style to help the reader understand its meaning. To become a master in the art of sales, one must learn and practice the secret of each scroll. When one masters these principles, one has the power to accumulate all the wealth he desires. Erasmus stared at the old scrolls with dismay. As wealthy even as you? Far wealthier if he chooses. You have stated that all but one of these scrolls contain selling principles. What is contained on the last scroll? The last scroll, as you call it, is the first scroll which must be read since each is numbered to be read in a specific sequence. And the first scroll contains a secret which has been given to a mere handful of wise men throughout history. The first scroll, in truth, teaches the most effective way to learn what is written on the others. It seems to be a task that anyone can master. It is indeed a simple task provided one is willing to pay the price in time and concentration until each principle becomes a part of one's personality, until each principle becomes a habit of living. Erasmus reached into the chest and removed a scroll. Holding it gently between his fingers and his thumb, he shook it toward Hafid. Forgive me, master, but why is it that you have not shared these principles with others, especially those who have labored long in your employ? You have always shown such generosity in all other matters. How is it that all you have or how is it that all who have sold for you did not receive the opportunity to read the words of wisdom and thus become wealthy too? At the very least, all would have been better sales of goods. All would have been better sellers of goods with such valuable knowledge. Why have you kept these principles to yourself for all these years? I had no choice. Many years ago, when these scrolls were entrusted to my care, I was made to promise under oath that I would share their contents with only one person. I do not yet understand the reasoning behind this strange request. However, I was commanded to apply the principles of the scrolls to my own life until one day someone would appear who had need 
for the help and guidance contained in these scrolls far more than I did when I was a youth. I was told that through some sign I would recognize the individual to whom I would be passing the scrolls, even though it was possible that the individual would not know that he was seeking the scrolls. I have waited patiently, and while I waited, I applied these principles as I was given permission to do. With their knowledge, I became what many call the greatest salesman in the world, just as he who bequeathed these scrolls to me was acclaimed as the greatest salesman of his time. Now, Erasmus, perhaps you will understand, at last, why some of my actions through the years seemed peculiar and unworkable to you, yet they proved successful. Always were my deeds and decisions guided by these scrolls. Therefore, it was not through my wisdom that we acquired so many gold talents. I was only the instrument of fulfillment. Do you still believe that he who is to receive these scrolls from thee will appear after all this time? Yes. Hafid gently placed the scrolls and closed the chest. He spoke softly from his knees. Will you stay with me until that day, Erasmus? The bookkeeper reached through soft light until their hands clasped. He nodded once and then withdrew from the room as if from an unspoken command from his master. Hafid replaced the leather strapping on the chest and then stood and walked to a small turret. He stepped through it out onto the scaffold that surrounded the great dome. A wind from the east blew into the old man's face, carrying with it the smell of the lakes and the desert beyond. He smiled as he stood high above the rooftops of Damascus, and his thoughts leaped backwards through time.